Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm back home uh, for Thanksgiving week. A happy early Thanksgiving to everyone. We're so thankful for you for listening to the First and Ten Podcast, as always. We always appreciate it. You know how it is. But uh, coming back at you live with another episode this week. Um, couldn't record a double this week. Uh, we're doing just one. Busy week for both of us. I had a lot of school finishing up. Um, Reed as well had had some school going on here before Thanksgiving break as we you know, wind into this part of the year, you know how it is. Um, and really the other thing we had is, well, a lot of games to cover. Reed has to cover some basketball down in Tennessee. I had to cover some basketball up here in Indiana. It's that time of year. We're, we're really getting to the thick of sports and uh, it's awesome. So joining me in Columbus, Ohio, it's Reed Murray. Reed, you're back in Ohio this week. Anything important going on there? Anything special? Yeah, I heard there was a football game. I might try and grab some tickets. Um, and there's a little pregame show before. I might think about attending. Um, otherwise, just here uh, killing time, I guess. Enjoying the sights, looking out your window in Columbus, Ohio. Beautiful day. <laughs> a classic little reference to our first and 10 fans out there. Thank you for listening. For these last two years as we, you know, finish our third season if you can believe it at this point this is our third regular season of football and uh this one's flown by and it's been a crazy season but uh it's far from over we've still got a ton of football to do a ton to be decided here in the big 10 and uh it doesn't seem like there's a bigger game in the big 10 east race than well ohio state michigan state this weekend and columbus reed will be there and then obviously next week the big one the game in ann arbor and we'll talk about that next week maybe we'll even get that one a full episode that could be fun we'll we'll discuss but um for now we've got some good games to talk about but first here on the first and ten you know what time of year it is folks we do this every year we do it a couple times a year we like to sprinkle them in you know at different increments in the season but it's time for some bowl projections and this is always a fun thing it's a fun exercise um to look at what we think the bowl games are going to look at we love bowl season it's always a fun time of year and you know, with the Big Ten tie-ins changing recently and definitely this being a pretty crazy year and there are still some teams looking to potentially clinch bowl eligibility and a few who already have, including some surprises here in the Big Ten. A lot remains to be shaken out, but here's how we see it right now. And Reed, let's start here. Where are you projecting the teams right now to finish and what are you thinking for your bowls? So for Big Ten records, I I'm, I think I'm sticking with what I had with in the Big Ten West. I'm sticking with what I had in our last bowl game uh, predictions. And the Big Ten East is a little different. I have Ohio State winning out and defeating nine and three Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship to make them nine and four. I think Wisconsin finished the year nine and three. Um, Iowa will finish ten and two. They have the same seven and two conference record. Wisconsin gets the tiebreaker because of the head-to-head win, and Ohio State takes them on in Indianapolis. I have Michigan State, of course, losing this week. Ohio State's going to win out. Have them losing the following week against Penn State. I think I just can't see a way Penn State finishes the year 7-5. I think they're too good. I think they find a way to beat Michigan State. I have Michigan beating Maryland and losing to Ohio State, finishing 10-2. Penn State finishing 8-4. And then as we move outside of the conference, these are where my sort of hotter takes start to come in, and I'll get into my playoff predictions in just a second. Georgia wins out, wins the SEC championship, finishes the year 13-0, regular season, national champions. And I, spoiler alert, think they will win the actual national championship. So that would leave Bama with an 11-2 record after winning out and losing an SEC championship. 
I have Cincinnati losing either this week to SMU or in the American Athletic Conference Championship. I think if they find a way to almost lose against teams like Navy and Tulane, they find a way to lose against stronger opposition like SMU and potentially Houston. I have Oregon dropping one of their potentially two games against Utah. I think they lose either this week against Utah or in the Pac-12 championship against Utah slash Arizona State. So we will have 11-2 and two Oregon, potentially a non-conference champion. So I would rule them out of the playoff. Um, since he's out of the playoff, if they get a loss, that's just um, the facts of life as an American athletic conference member. Notre Dame winning out. Oklahoma, as much as it pains me to say, as someone who – casually roots for the Oklahoma State Cowboys because um, they're the least of the evils in the Big 12. I think Oklahoma wins out. They beat Oklahoma State once and they potentially beat them twice in Dallas for the Big 12 championship. So what that leaves us with is an orange bowl that features the 13-0 number one seed Georgia Bulldogs taking on the number four Oklahoma Sooners who have a 12-1 and record. The number two, 12-1 Ohio State Buckeyes will head to Dallas to take on the number three, 11-1 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I hate this because I think Notre Dame and Oklahoma suck, but I think they sneak their way into the playoff this year. I don't think either of them are playoff caliber teams, and I think Georgia and Ohio State will massacre them in their playoff semifinals. But resumes matter a lot when it comes to the college football playoff and i think these two teams will have some of the better resumes in college football oregon will have two losses alabama will have two losses again these are my predictions i'm not um you know i'm not saying these are certainly going to be right Mm -hmm. but in my predictions alabama has two losses oregon has two losses these one loss teams would leapfrog them i think wake forest will have one loss they'll be a one loss conference champion they'll have a case for a for being included in the playoff but i just don't think they're big enough brand where the committee is going to put them in over another team with a real resume. Even if you take away the names, I don't think that's a strong enough resume. Wake Forest schedule has really been, you know, charm and soft. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's going to be the outrage of, of some people on Twitter when um, 12 and one Wake Forest ends up as the seventh seed at best. They don't even end up in the first two out uh, when ESPN displays the teams that make the playoff. I think some people are going to be outraged by that, but that's just how it's going to be. So then as you move into the New Year's Six, my bowl predictions, I did playoff, New Year's Six, and then Big Ten Bowls. So in the Rose Bowl, we have 9-4 and four Wisconsin taking on 11-2 and two Oregon. I don't agree with the tie in there that it's the um, Big Ten West champion who goes. I think it should be the second-best team, which would be Michigan. But Wisconsin makes it to the Rose Bowl. The second Big Ten team I have in the New Year's Six is the Michigan Wolverines, who I have taken on. 13-0 UTSA in the Fiesta Bowl. I think with Cincinnati losing a game, I think UTSA wins out, jumps over Cincinnati, and, and grabs that group of five near six bid. And I would love to see it because we've seen Cincinnati in these games before. I don't think – I can't recall ever seeing UTSA in a game this big. So that'll be exciting. In yeah. the Sugar Bowl, yeah. I have Alabama taking on Oklahoma State. And in the Peach Bowl, I have Ole Miss taking on Wake Forest. So that seems like a pretty exciting slate of games. In the New Year's Six, again, some sort of bolder predictions, especially the Oregon one. Um, I think if there's if there's one thing I'm most likely to be wrong about, I think it's the Oregon pick, because I, I do think Oregon's a pretty good team this year, and they showed it in Columbus. But I think they find a way to lose one more game. They almost lost to California. They did lose to Stanford. They they're gonna are – They're going to have to play Utah twice, team. probably, is the answer. They're going to have to play Utah this week. And if they beat Utah once, then they might end up having to play Arizona State, who's pretty strong. Right. So mm-hmm. – 
And this or at least is a pretty strong four Pac-12 team. Arizona's so, been the thorn in Oregon's side before. Look at 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think Oregon is out. I think Oklahoma State. That's a that's a prediction I hate making. It feels too crazy after their number 13 heading into Week 12. They just lost to Baylor, but we've seen it before. Oklahoma is one of these perennial playoff teams, and Oklahoma in the past this close to playoffs have been far out of the rankings and they sneak their way back in. They tend to have the big 12 in the palm of their hands and they just toy with the other teams and they end up winning the championship every year. I think they do uh-huh. it again. Uh-huh. Moving on to the standard bowl games, the standard big 10 bowl games in the first non near six big 10 game, the citrus bowl. I have 10 and two Iowa taking on nine and three Texas A&M. In the Outback Bowl, I have nine and three Michigan State taking on Arkansas. In the Las Vegas Bowl, I have eight and four Penn State taking on UCLA. In my Music City Bowl, I have the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who I have at seven and five playing. I actually don't think I chose an opponent for this game. Um, I'm just not realizing that. I'm going to look at the SEC standings and quickly make a decision as to who Minnesota will be playing here. Um, give me one second. Bear with me here. Uh, let's say Tennessee, just for, you know, they'll probably be about six and six. Um, and they're in, in the bowl games in Tennessee. Um, they'll probably put them there to sell more tickets. So Tennessee, Minnesota, the Music City Bowl. Pinstripe Bowl, I have Purdue playing either Syracuse or North Carolina. Not sure if Syracuse will end up bowl eligible, but if they are, I think you can pretty much pencil them in as the Pinstripe Bowl representative from the ACC. And then... So let me just double check real quick that the ACC is the team that plays in the pinstripe bowl. They are. They are. They are. Yeah. Then the guaranteed rate bowl in Arizona, I have Maryland at six, six playing Texas tech. And that concludes my bowl prediction. Patrick, what do you think? So I like those a lot, Reed. I'm, I'm interested. So with your new year, six, Michigan's a new year, six team to you. Right. So that involves a win this week and then a loss to Ohio state. Michigan State, I'm curious with this one. Um, what do you think happens to, to Sparty in the final week of the season against Penn State again? I think they lose. So you think they lose? And what they was they had them 9-3 in my opinion. You had them in Outback, right? Yes. Outback Bowl. So and It's unfortunate because I think they're a better team than an Outback Bowl I was going to say, so between them – Iowa, and, I think they'll have a better record. Yeah, you think Iowa with the better record, but I don't – even record, that, that might not necessarily – I think discount them from Citrus. I think the Big Ten would still consider sending them to the Citrus Bowl over Iowa. I think that that'd be possible in sending Iowa to the Outback. Do you think so? I, no. I don't think they override Iowa's record. They're both pretty big fan bases, pretty big brands. I think it just comes down to even beyond brands. I think they, would they not want to send? I don't know. The Citrus and Outback would be even anyway. I think that's fair. I don't think they're going to say that Iowa is is so objectively worse than Michigan State that they would warrant sending Michigan State to a bowl game instead of them. Right. But now with one more thing with with Michigan State, though. Do you think Michigan State has a shot to get to the New Year's Six? No question. I think they have a shot to get to the playoff. I just don't think they end up doing it. I mean, if they beat Ohio State, and if if they went out, they're no question a playoff team. If they – Ohio State and lose either to Penn State or to Wisconsin, they're still looking at a two-loss resume that definitely puts you in a Fiesta, Peach, Rose kind of bowl. So, so let's. I think it's 
not a question at all that they could get to the year six. I think they're just unfortunate. I think they have a fantastic year and it just falls apart when they face two strong teams, two strong teams at the end of the year. And this this week for Michigan State, obviously playing Ohio State and Columbus Buckeyes, 19 point favorites. Let's talk about that a little bit. Reed, so tomorrow. How are they 19 point favorites? I mean, I get that Ohio State's a good team, but this just feels, I mean, that's a lot of points. A lot of points. That's a lot of points, Reed. I mean, oh man, that's a that's a shot right there, of Reed. <laughs> if I'm telling you, if I'm a college game day um, anchor, that's my super dog of the week because, well, actually, somebody's gonna pick that tomorrow, and then they're gonna hear. Yeah, it would be foolish not to pick it. I have. He's gonna be in the crowd who's like, actually, this is this is an excellent pick, and here's why. <laughs> <laughs> now. I know this is a good Ohio. State. I wouldn't do it. It's it is an excellent that's, pick. I wouldn't do it. Points. That is a ton of points. Nineteen. That's a three score game. Ohio State is really good, but they're not three scores good over Michigan State. This is a Michigan State team. That that could be three scores good, good, but I don't think they are. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the random guy standing next to me an, 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 an analysis and talk his ear off. That random guy is like, probably your dad, right? Most likely, and my dad's sitting <laughs> in the hotel room right now. Now, let's, let's talk about this game though. so obviously i think for this game i've heard a little bit of hype coming into it whoever has the better game and it's tough to compare positions between kenneth walker of michigan state and cj stroud of ohio state i saw somebody say online that whoever has the better game should be the heisman favorite coming out of this and i saw online heisman odds right now you can see cj stroud as the favorite plus 180 that's insane to me um after what we've seen from cj stroud this season he has really struggled at points um and i get there's no real favorite right now for the heisman but you would think that there would be somebody other than stroud i know that the counting stats look good but this is a guy who has struggled tremendously with that being said i think he's going to have an incredible game against michigan state and here's why michigan state's secondary is horrible horrible bottom of the big 10 horrible if cj stroud is worth his weight and these Ohio State receivers are as good as we think they are. I think they are. They should torch them and have absolutely no trouble beating them deep. Um, expect a big game from Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. I mean, pick your favorite. Uh, it, it really, pick your poison with, with any of those three guys. Um, Ohio State's receivers and quarterbacks should have no trouble tomorrow afternoon. I know Michigan State's good. I know they're going to run the ball well. I still think this is going to be a decently close game. Michigan State's going to be within striking distance. But when we're talking about the passing game, we're talking about how many yards can can this Ohio State offense go through, f- go for through the air. It's going to be a lot, no matter what. I think it's going to be a lot, even if it's a close game. Ohio State's going to torch them through the air. I gotta say, I do not disagree with you at all there, and um, it, it's kind of bizarre to say that CJ Stroud's the Heisman favorite. But I mean, at the end of the day, the numbers are a, a hugely important thing when you look at high season you know when you look back years from now you want to look at your Heisman winner from any given year and say wow he put up some unbelievable stats you don't want to you know you want to be able to back it up years from now I think that's something that, that the Heisman voters consider and they, they look at a guy who in a bad game put up over you know about 400 yards I don't think it was over I think it was 396 something like that but around 400 yards against Oregon in probably his worst game of the season um, or close to his worst game of the season that's pretty impressive the numbers help CJ Stroud's case a lot. And it, and it's I bizarre. Stroud, can I say one other thing with why Stroud, sorry to interrupt there, but we talk about those numbers when in my head, that's like, okay, so that's 150 for Wilson, hundred for Olave and hundred for Smith and Jigba. 
it's because of that three-headed monster at receiver. If it was just one super dominant receiver that he threw to every single time, I feel like that receiver could potentially be a Heisman caliber guy because I think any of those three receivers could potentially be the best guy in college football at the position. But there's three of them, which I think really helps bolster Stroud's numbers and really uh, hurts Ohio State any Ohio State receiver's case for, for getting a national award. And that's why we said we said this in the beginning of the season that mm-hmm. insert Ohio State quarterback here always is going to be in the running for a Heisman just because that's the nature of Ohio State football. Right, right, right. right. You're right. No, exactly. If you're Ohio State starting quarterback, you're going to be a star. You're going to be a nationally viewed player, and you're going to put up some great stats. And, I mean, that, and that's part of why I told my dad to pick C.J. Stroud in his Big Ten football fantasy league. He stupidly chose Michael Penix over him oh, and is now regretting it, is now not going to win the league. <laughs> and it's entirely his fault when he – well. Tries to find a way to blame me, even though I told him I gave him the good advice to pick Stroud. Um, I digress. I don't, I don't think you can hear me right now, uh, but uh, he he'll he might hear it in the podcast later on when he listens. Um, Dad, you're an idiot. I tell him that every every week when he looks at his face. <laughs> I apologize um, for hyping up uh, Michael Penix Jr. too much on this show. My bad. I did it too, but I said, look, you got a choice between Stroud and Penix. Penix is going to be a great choice. Wrong about that. I'll fully admit to it. And I don't know. I don't want to blame Michael Penix too much. I think the injuries and the offensive coaching and just he, I think, is the least of Indiana's worries in the offensive side. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to throw the guy under the bus. I think he he's not the guy to blame. Right. But you know, beside the point, um, it's just funny because I think that Stroud is. I don't think he's a better quarterback than definitely not a better quarterback than Justin Fields, not better than Dwayne Haskins, not better than Braxton Miller, not better than Troy Smith, but essentially not better than Terrell Pryor. And he's, and he's looking at winning, uh, winning the Heisman. I would say he's better than JT Barrett, but that's a debate. And JT Barrett was not really a Heisman candidate. I think he might've been his freshman year when he had an incredible freshman year, but beyond that, he was not really in the running for Heisman's. So it's kind of bizarre, but when you look at the field this year, you got Kenneth Walker, unbelievable player, but sometimes he's just absent in games. You can't have that as a Heisman winner. You got Matt Corral, who I think should still be in the running, but he's had his his lows. Bryce Young, great quarterback, but again, you know, in order to be, you know, the expectation at Alabama is to go undefeated and to be the clear best team in college football. That's not what Alabama is this year. Now, this is one of the, you know, an Alabama team this year, they've struggled more than we're used to seeing Alabama struggle. So I think that doesn't help this case either. So it really is – it's kind of a, a game of – it seems like every player is trying to let somebody else win it. And um, it's funny to see Stroud. Yeah, now the favorite. I don't think he'll end up winning it, but it really wouldn't shock me if he won the Heisman this year. You look at the stats. So it's kind of crazy. And, and speaking of Heismans, when you know, people come into this game, they're going to say, oh, the winner of this game is going to be determined by who has a better game, Stroud or Walker. No, it's not. No, it, it's absolutely not because – at the end of the day, Stroud can play the worst game of his life and Ohio State can win the game by four possessions. And that's not the case with Walker at all. Plus, totally. Stroud and Walker, this isn't this isn't a game of ping pong where they're going up against each other. They're going up against different defenses and different schemes and different looks. They're not going head-to-head. This isn't one-on-one not basketball. not a game of ping pong. You're it's not a game of ping pong. Put that on a first and ten t-shirt. It's not a game of ping pong. I'm writing that down right now in my notes. I'm going to use that line a lot that's really good actually i'm a fan hey you're here at uh you're here in our planning process right now friends um i think that's great i'm 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 on board with you reed that's that's not that's right and that's what people say when they talk about quarterback battles 
I don't I don't like the, that term because that, that it's stupid because it's not a game of it's not one on one it's not a one on one sport it's not basketball no it's it isn't basketball where you can say oh they went one on one they went head to head they went back and forth um, exactly not tennis obviously ping pong whatever wrestling pick your favorite the quarterback two offensive players cannot go up against each other it's offense versus defense that's how it is um, and really it's unit versus unit that's why football is the ultimate team sport. It is. You're right. It's a, it's a universe's unit game. That might go on the t-shirt too in parentheses. It's a universe's unit game. I'm writing that down too. Um, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely, but it's all about at the end of the day, 11 versus their 11. One Ohio State's run defense is football. miles ahead of Michigan State's pass defense. Ohio State has, a, in my opinion, one of the stronger run Sorry, I, I, you cut out there for a second. I did not hear what you just said. Repeat that, please. I didn't say anything. You definitely just spoke. I didn't. You in the last out. 10 seconds, you haven't spoke. No. While I was talking about Ohio State's run defense. No. That was weird then. Um, sorry about that to you and to any of our listeners. But anyway, um, Ohio State's D-line, one of the best in the country, one of the deepest in the country. Kenneth Walker is going to struggle with this D-line and, and just the Ohio State run defense in general is much more than Ohio than, than C.J. Stroud, excuse me, is going to struggle with Michigan State's passing defense. It's just a fact. I mean, Kenneth Walker may be a better Heisman candidate. He may be a better player than C.J. Stroud, but at the end of the day, like I said, Stroud can play a bad game and Ohio State can win, can waltz away with a win here and win this one by several possessions. It, it, there's a lot more factors involved than just Oh, how are the two Heisman candidates going to play against each other? It's not a game of ping pong. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right about that, Reed. You're right about that. Um, let's talk about the game itself. Who do you have tomorrow? Obviously, we actually, you said this already. You have Ohio State. I have Ohio State too. How much do you have Ohio State by? I'll give you my score first. I've got Ohio State uh, 38 to 24. 38 to 24. Great minds think alike because we don't have the same score, but we're in the same ballpark. I have it 41 28. 41 28. Okay. Yeah. About a two ish score game. I like yeah. 13 that. point game on my end. It's something similar for you. Um, yeah. What do you have? A 14 point game? Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Ohio State in this one, at the end of the day, they just are going to overpower Michigan State because Peyton Thorne has impressed me this season. The Michigan State passing game has impressed me this season. Jalen Naylor, still not sure if he's going to play in this game. I have a feeling he will. It's not a scoop or anything. I have no sort of insider knowledge. I have a feeling he'll play. There's not been much information available, which leads me to believe that that uh, Tucker is trying to keep something up his sleeve. But at the end of the day, Ohio State's a much more versatile team on offense. And we, we've said this before to beat Ohio State. I mean, you got to play well on defense, but it, it more you have your your offensive play is going to be more important than your defensive play. And Ohio State is just much more of a multi-dimensional offense. And if Stroud's not hitting his guys, which I think even if he even if he's not hitting his guys, Garrett Wilson can make some acrobatic catches, whatever. Henderson can run the ball as well. Whereas with Michigan State, if uh, if Kenneth Walker struggles, Peyton Thorne is not going to be able to balance for that as well as Henderson can, can balance for any potential struggles Stroud runs into. So I think the multi-dimensional nature of Ohio State's team really helps them out in this one. I think they're overall the stronger football team. I think Michigan State have a lot of respect for them. They really blew my expectations out of the water. And again, and I thought they, they could be a decent team this year. I never saw a potentially 11-1, potentially 12-1, potential playoff team coming. And again, 
I am fin- finishing nine and three. I don't have to go to the playoff, but I never thought that going into this game, you know, early, earlier in the season, I said, I think Michigan state can come into this Ohio state game as a, you know, six and four team and, and shock Ohio state. I was, I did, I never thought in a million years I would be in Columbus right now for this game, looking at a top 10, one loss Michigan state team. Right. So this is not me discrediting Michigan state at all, but I, do not think they're on the same level as Ohio State. I am hesitant to say Michigan's better than them because Michigan State did beat them, but um, I'm just not sold that Michigan State is the second-best team in the Big Ten. I think this game is proof of it. I don't think Michigan State will, will be able to handle this sort of big stage. They had a big stage in the Michigan game. I think this is the next level. On the road, Ohio State is about as big as it gets. I don't think they'll be able to handle it. I have 41-28 Ohio State. You know, I'm with you there on, on all counts. I, I think this is just too much for them. Uh, and they're, just not the, they're not the better team. And the better team wins at this point in the season almost every single time. So, moving on from this game, uh, not a ton of other great games. And when we go to you, and by the way, real quick, when, when we go to your uh, classic big game, who wins Formula Ohio State wins in all three categories, coaching, yes. quarterback, Coach, and quarterback, home field advantage. Absolutely. That's way to pull that out, Reid. Um yeah, they've got the better coach. I think Mel Tucker's a great coach, and he just got paid like one, the highest paid uh, black head coach in any sport, by the way. Congrats to him. That's an awesome achievement, um, and I think it's deserved. He's been excellent so far. Obviously, you know, it's one good season, but it's one really good season that feels sustainable. This feels like a team that's going to be around for a while. Um, I think that's deserved. But Ohio State's got a better coach. Ohio State's got a better quarterback, even if I have questions about Stroud. Ohio State's at home. Simple as that. Anyway, next game. Uh, I want to run through these ones kind of quick. Not a ton to talk about in any of these. Um, Northwestern, Purdue, Wrigley Field. Reed, I know you've got takes on stadiums. You've got takes on locales. Wrigley Field as a football stadium. How do you feel about that? About as good as it gets. Um, I'm so looking forward to this game. The cramped field. The in- Who cares? Who cares? It's hilarious. It's, it's only one game in the season. I can't wait for it. And of course, I won't be able to see it because I'll be in the stadium. I can't wait to watch the highlights of this one. I might, if someone makes a in 30 minutes version on YouTube, I might watch it because I just love um, the scenes of Actually, a unique ballpark awesome. like that being used for its for a, a purpose for which it was not built. I love stadiums used for sports that they were not built for. I love like I'm, I love soccer stadiums used for American football. I don't quite love American football stadiums being used for soccer, but you know, that's, that's a different issue. I love this. I can't wait to see the Wrigley Field. I think it's, game. I think it's, it could be a little weird. Obviously the teams are sharing a sideline. Um, they can only drive. But that's weird. I don't like that, but yeah, uh, they can get over it. It's one game. It's not like they're bitter rivals or anything. No, it's not Michigan or Ohio state. Um, they're going to have to drive into the same end zone, I believe. Cause one of the end zones, if you, ran mm-hmm. like five yards out of it you would run into bricks and ivy which obviously Wrigley Field but sweet uh but it's not exactly made for running into it's not padded like a typical outfield um it is brick obviously there's leaves there but that is still brick <laughs> that would hurt to run into um it is cramped well, it's gonna be just I- like a game of like pick up football on the playground where you go the same direction um I don't know it, no, it, it's going to be fantastic. 
I mean, the fact that they're just playing it all, I think it's sweet. I think it's so cool. I, that's like found a way. Honestly, the, the workarounds kind of make it more endearing to me. You know, mm-hmm. the little things they have to do because it, it just shows that they really want to do this. And I love it. Right. I, and I do think there's going to be a good showing from both fan bases. Obviously, it's a Northwestern home game and they're the local team. But Purdue has a lot of fans in Chicago, like every Big Ten team. Um, and really, there are a lot of Purdue fans, you know, in the state of Indiana and, you know, everywhere who maybe they're from the area or wherever who are Cubs fans. And obviously that's Wrigley field home of the Cubs. Um, that's going to be a big draw for them. And I, I know certainly a lot of the Purdue fans I know are, are big Cub fans too. And, and I'm sure, I don't know if I know anybody going to this actually, but I know people who thought about it. And then probably when they saw the ticket price said, I'm okay. Uh, but I bet there are, are more uh, bigger fans of, of one or the other or both who uh who definitely were willing to fork over the money for this because this is a really cool once in a lifetime experience, especially, you know, if you're a, a Purdue fan, a, a Wildcat fan, or, or a fan of the Cubs and a, a fan of neither um, really all in all, I'm a fan. I think this is cool. doesn't even matter about the game on the field, but let's talk about the game on the field real quick. Purdue should win this one handily. I'm going to say uh, 27 to six spoilers. Yeah. Especially after getting destroyed in Columbus last week, I think, It'll be 35-17 Purdue. They should win comfortably. 17 is a lot of points for Northwestern, if you ask me. I uh, I don't see it happening. Yeah, but Purdue defense. Yeah, true. I, I could see Northwestern putting up 17. A lot of points. I don't know. I don't know. Here's a team that's not going to put up 17, the Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, let's talk about this for all of two minutes. Uh, Minnesota headed to Indiana. Uh, Gophers officially going bowling, even though they lost last week to Iowa. Um, that was a close one. Gophers just barely couldn't pull that one off in Kinnick. Now, Indiana, officially the worst record of the Tom Allen era. Uh, they're two and eight. And, uh, well, <laughs> it ain't looking up. It, it really is feeling like this team is going to go two and 10 without a Big Ten win, without a Power Five win. Uh, the only team in the country, by the way, other than Indiana, now that Kansas beat Texas uh, without a Power Five win, is. Vanderbilt. So it's Indiana and Vanderbilt at the bottom of the power five right now. Um, and Indiana last week lost 38 to three to Rutgers. I'm, I'm over it. Nothing hurts. Um, the bandaid is ripped off. I have, uh, I have achieved full cognitive dissonance from this team. I am past it. I am out of it. They're going to lose. They're going to lose by a lot. Let's go Minnesota. Um, 35, Indiana seven, 35 to seven. Read. 31 10. Gophers. 31 10. 10's a lot of points for Indiana, Reed. I don't know if they can put up double digits. <laughs> I'll change that to nine. Nine. Okay. Three yeah, we gotta, keep, we gotta keep it reasonable. We can't we can't have anything too crazy here. Indiana putting up double digit points. Hold the phones. <laughs> oh man. I uh that's kind of setting in again. Wow. Times change. What a season. Um, Time and change will surely show. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a what a crazy, stupid, horrible year that uh, is thankfully for Hoosier fans almost over. And, hey, Indiana fans, you've got a good women's basketball team to cheer for, number four in the country, and it seems like a pretty good men's basketball team too, an improving one at the very least and an exciting one. So – 
it's not all doom and gloom in Bloomington, friends. Um, there is still hope on the horizon. It just comes on the hardwood, as it typically does in Bloomington. We're back. Anyway, uh, Nebraska and Wisconsin, Nebraska, uh, their season's all but over. Hey, Scott Frost coming back, though. So the Scott Frost era, well, the Scott Frost wagon keeps rolling. I don't know how much it's rolled. But, yeah, they're not going bowling officially again. Have yet to in the Scott Frost era. Wisconsin, they're hot. They should win this. Um, Let's go Wisconsin. A little closer than some might think. 28-17. 28 seems like a lot of points for Wisconsin. uh, But they've been playing well on offense. I think they get a defensive score or two, too. 27-21 27-21 Badgers, in my opinion. 27-21. Okay, also pretty close. All right, Michigan, Maryland. Terps 5-5. Five and five. They can clinch bowl eligibility uh, with a big upset win over Michigan. Uh, but it's exactly that. It would be a huge upset, and it's not an upset I see the Terps pulling off. Let's go Michigan 37, Maryland 21. Him saying that for the second time in history, the week before the game, Maryland beats a Ohio State Michigan participant. Whoa! Or no, Maryland loses an Ohio wow. State Michigan participant by one. I have Michigan winning this one 35 34, similar to the 52 59 State win at Maryland a couple of years ago. They get a scare, but they do not get a victory over Michigan. Now, this should be a good one, I think think uh in large part because the maryland offense if they can find some footing here could scare that michigan offense into throwing the ball a lot and i don't know how much i trust them through the air um if if talia has a good game and there have been few and far between of those since september classic maryland (sighs) michigan being forced to throw i don't know how much i trust it and we'll see that next week against ohio state a little bit of a spoiler there but i think michigan should take care of business here. Illinois, four and six, fighting for bowl eligibility, fighting for their lives. It would be kind of a total Iowa move to lose this game. Am I crazy? You're not. I don't think it happens, but you're not crazy. A two o'clock kickoff in Kinnick is weird. I don't like it. Um, one o'clock local kind of throws me off, but I'm not. <sighs> Screw it. Illinois 21, Iowa 20. <laughs> Illinois is going to go bowling. I picked it at the beginning of the season. I'm going to pick it right now. Illinois is going bowling. They're going to win their next two games. Let me ask you, are you afraid to be bowling? will be there. Hope he's doing okay. He is vaccinated for the record. Um, I don't care if Brett Bielema is there or not. Illinois is going to win this game. Illinois is going to make a bowl. I don't care if they lose to Northwestern every year. I don't care if they haven't won the hat in a long time. Illinois is going to go bowling. Patrick Feltz is not afraid to be bold, just like not afraid to be old bold. school RJM. I'm not quite as afraid. I, I am a little more afraid to be bold, I should say. <laughs> 20 to 17, though, Iowa. It's going to be they close. It's not be- an easy win here. This is a feisty Illinois team. This is a really feisty team. Listen, if Brett Bielema starts recruiting, if they can get themselves a quarterback or even just one really, really good offensive weapon at some position on the field and competent quarterback play, this is a team that I think can go win seven, eight games a year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I like the way Brett Bielema has got these guys looking this year, especially down the stretch, you know, and they've had their slip ups here and there. Um, but for the most part, this is a solid team. And uh, in the big 10 West, anything is possible. I'm going to leave it at that. Anyway, uh, next game, last game, Rutgers and Penn state Rutgers also fighting for their bowl lives. They're five and five. 
Uh, a loss here, not detrimental to a Penn State team that's really owned them over the years. Penn State, six and four, best six and four team in the country by far, if you ask me. Penn State has owned Rutgers since they joined the Big Ten. Penn State has not lost to Rutgers since they joined the Big Ten. Penn State will not lose to Rutgers this year. Uh, give me Penn State 35, Rutgers 24. Uh, you know, Penn State's played a good brand of football the last few weeks. I don't, I don't see them losing this to Rutgers. I know Rutgers just got a gigantic win over Indiana, but lads, it's Indiana. I, I, I don't like to be the one who has to say it, but it's Indiana. If you aren't beating them 38 to three, you're not trying. Um, and Rutgers tried and Rutgers crushed them. Uh, you know, last time Rutgers came to Indiana, they threw for one yard. Next time, 38 to three win. Uh, Rutgers is looking better, obviously. Next week, I think we see five and six versus five and six against Maryland, potentially a sickos game of the year, a noon kick in Piscataway uh, between two five and six Big Ten East teams fighting for a chance to go to the pinstripe bowl. Sign me up. But uh, yes, ha ha ha. Guaranteed rate bowl, you mean? Guaranteed rate bowl. Yeah, that too. Whatever. Same, same difference. Uh, yeah, sign me up. Uh, Penn State wins this one, though. Penn State definitely ends up in, I think, the Music City Bowl. Yeah, I think Penn State wins this one, too. I'm going to go with 35-10 win. I feel confident in them this week. And now one more thing uh, as we wrap this up. All right, two more things, actually. Uh, Reed right now is wearing his UConn Sad Dog T-shirt. Now, Reed, flash that T-shirt for the fans. There it is. Beautiful. Here it is. I, I, I forgot I had to speak because I'm on YouTube for you to see me. The camera has to be on me and I speak. Here you go. Everyone watching the video version, there it get is. Get you a sad dog shirt or some sad dog joggers. Oh, well, if they ever get back in stock. But the reason I sure. bring that up is because, Reed, during the recording of this podcast, we have breaking news at UConn. It's back. UCF and UConn tomorrow will officially be playing for the Civil Conflict Trophy. It has been brought out of retirement. If you are not familiar with the Civil Conflict, when UConn joined the American in 2014, they decided they were going to make a rivalry with UCF and call it the civil conflict. Why? Because they felt like it. There was no reason. There is no animosity. The FL and the CT are capitalized in, in conflict because it's Florida and Connecticut. Get it. The teams are playing tomorrow, even though UCF is no longer in the American or U- UConn is no longer in the American pretty soon. UCF won't be in the American either, uh, but they're playing tomorrow for the civil conflict trophy. It has been in some basement in Orlando for many years. And it's hilarious. It's great. It's the best trophy in football. And uh, welcome back, Civil Conflict. We missed you. That's our um, national spotlight slash pick six for the week. Yeah, we're pick- our pick six this week is one. And no, it's actually, that is the pick six because UConn will have many pick sixes thrown to, to the UCF. <laughs> That's true. Hey, this is a UConn team that had a 7 nothing lead over Clemson last week, by the way. Okay, but that was on the opening kick, too. People forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sh- Context doesn't matter, Reed. <laughs> All right, one more thing this week. Reed, new segment you came up with before we recorded, the winner of the week. This is something we're going to do at the end of episodes where you pick the biggest win of the week. You can be on the field, off the field, anything remotely related to college football, the show, whatever. Reed, what's the biggest win you saw this week? Well, yeah, and we talk about this week, by the way, we're talking about, the, we're talking about week 11 of football because we didn't do, get to do a preview this week, unfortunately. My winner of the week is a guy who did not play 
two weeks ago against Nebraska. He was out with some, I, I believe it was an unspecified injury, but Garrett Wilson comes back to the shoe, picks up 126 yards and three touchdowns, looked unbelievable, made some incredibly athletic plays just when he did what he needed to get back into the groove of things. And he was one of the better, I, I think he was the best athlete on the field that day. He, he had, he just put on a complete show against Purdue, especially after being out for a week. And what some Ohio State fans were concerned could be a, a much longer injury. He comes back and puts on a clinic against Purdue. Garrett Wilson is my winner of the week. My winner of the week, different direction. It's going to my good friend, JJ Post, uh, somebody who's been on this program before, and some of you may know him. JJ this week, let's see, let's count the wins JJ got. Number one, the two of us drove to Cincinnati, Ohio from Indianapolis. He, was, he came down from Notre Dame to Indianapolis. I came up from Bloomington. Uh, we drove to Cincinnati, Ohio, and watched our beloved United States men's national soccer team pull a Dosa Cero win against the Mexicans. Win number one. Win number two. He came to Bloomington with me. That's a win in and of itself. We had a good time. We had some fun. We saw some of our friends. Um, and he saw his beloved Rutgers Scarlet Knights defeat my Indiana Hoosiers 38-3. to That's a win for him. He's a Rutgers fan. He's from Jersey, to those of you who didn't know. Another win. J.J. Post, Notre Dame student. Notre Dame defeats Virginia. We watched it. Uh, Notre Dame looked really good um, in that game. Uh, Notre Dame still, by the way, has a shot at making the college football playoff. People forget. And the final win of the bunch is Wisconsin Badgers, his other team, a school he used to attend and he's still a fan of, defeated Northwestern by a lot. So four wins for JJ, um, plus a fifth win of getting to spend some quality time in Bloomington. Um that's a hell of a weekend, if you told me. So shout out to Jay Post, winner of the week, if you ask me. And Reed, that's our segment, and that'll do it for this episode of the First and Ten. Thank you all for listening. Reed, have lots of fun in Columbus. And if you're listening to this afterwards, I hope everybody had a lot of fun with all of their games this weekend. Hopefully it all goes your way. Um, and Reed, best of luck this weekend. Hope you have a good one. Uh, folks, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the First and Ten, as always. Also, I want to I briefly say Reed, I will be attending ESPN's College Game Day tomorrow. Hopefully I can give you guys some, some sort of video or photo content, maybe on our Instagram story, potentially on Twitter, potentially on YouTube. We'll see, but be on the lookout for some college game day content. I have a sign. I just posted on Instagram about an hour ago. <laughs> um, hopefully if you see a sign ranking famous people named Ken with Kenneth Walker at the bottom on ESPN, if you see it on TV, let me know, maybe shout us out on your Instagram story, something like that. But we will be at college game day. I also have a big first and 10 ad written on the backside of my sign. So Super excited. If you're at college game day, come say hi. Come tell every single person you know to follow the first and 10. You're listening to this from, from college game day. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and if you follow, if you followed us on Instagram uh, from college game day, thank you. But be on the lookout for some of that content. Absolutely. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the first and 10. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye.